Thank you for joining us for the Way Lithia Weekly Podcast. We hope that this message will help you to see your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. If you could open up your Bibles to uh, Exodus chapter 3, um, we're going to talk, uh, talk a little bit about identity. Uh, and um, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I have, uh, for the last few times that I've preached, God has put something on my heart about, um, uh, about sin and conquering sin and things like that. And, and though I love to, to preach on that kind of stuff, this is really where my heart is about what God's heart is for us. And um, so I, I'm, I'm real happy to be able to preach on this this morning. So in Exodus chapter 3, if you remember, uh, Moses was walking along. He had, uh, he had, already, he had already left in, uh, from his position in the palace, and uh, he had been working and everything. And, and he was walking along, and he sees this burning bush. And God says, take your shoes off. You're, you know, you're on holy ground. And so uh, Moses goes and approaches this bush. And um, so that's where we're at in the story. We're going to start out at, um, we'll start at verse 9. It says, now, therefore, behold, the cry of the, the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression to which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So God's, God's telling him, he's like, hey, I've heard all these cries. I've heard my people cry. How many knows that prayer works? God hears prayer. Amen? And then God hears your prayer. Anytime you're wondering if God hears your prayer or not, he does. Just know that. Sometimes it don't feel like, and I know that we're always looking for some kind of inflection deep in our chest whenever we pray that we'll feel this mighty, Whoa, but God hears your prayer. God wants to talk to you all the time. God hears your prayer. Just keep those petitions going. Let God know what your heart is, and let God know that you want to know what his heart is, because that's really the matter of it. But um, so he's saying, God's saying, I've, I've heard my people. I've, I've heard them talk. I've heard them, heard them praying. I've heard them uh, surrendering themselves, saying, God, we, we, we really want to have this situation. We're tired of being slaves. How many can understand being slaves was probably not the greatest deal in the world? So... He heard them, and he sent Moses, and it said, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of, Egypt out of, uh, children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought, me, brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I know we have a different one up there, but yeah, it says, so um, that this will be a sign to you that it is I will have, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. So he's telling them, Moses goes up and he's like, God's, God's telling him, I'm going to take you to, to take the people out of Egypt. And Moses is like, God, who, who am I that I should go do this? And how does God respond to that? What does he tell him? Well, Moses, you were, uh, you were the, the youngest captain ever. Remember when we had you in the basket? We floated you down the river. You're the youngest captain ever. And we brought you up into the palace. You were second only to Pharaoh himself. This is, this is who you are. You've done all these great things. I've been with you. What did he tell him? He didn't tell him any of that. Most said, who am I? 
Sounds like God ignores what he's asking him. Like, who am I? And God says, I'm going to be with you. He said, but who am I? God says, I'll be with you. Moses says, who am I? What's God saying? I'll be with you. That's who Moses was. Right? That's who Moses is. Moses, it, Moses did a lot of great things in his life. You gotta, if you can imagine somebody that ascended those kind of ranks um, in, the, in the palace, he had some things that he was over, some things that he was doing. He had a high rank. All right? But that's not who he was. Who he was was the man God liked to hang out with. The man that God was with. Because that superseded anything else that he ever did. That superseded anything else he could ever think of doing. Is he was the guy that God was with. The guy that God was with. The person that God walked with. We can go to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And whenever they were told that they were supposed to bow before the, the idol of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and they didn't do it, and Nebuchadnezzar was like, real mad, God increased the fire this many times, and I think seven times, and yeah, threw him in there, and then he looked, and he saw four people walking around. Who were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were the three guys that were walking with God. It doesn't matter your surroundings. Amen? Like the fire that you think you're in, when you're walking with God, those surroundings don't matter. It doesn't make the fire go away. That fire still exists. But when you're walking with God, that fire has no power over you. When you're walking with God, the burning flames do not burn you. Even their robes were not burned. Even their robes were not burned. They were walking in the fire, and the fire could not touch them because they were walking with Jesus. Now, if everybody hasn't looked around what we got going on today, we're walking through a fire. We've got a lot of people around us telling us what we should and should not do and how many people should get together, how many people should not get together. Because the church and everybody else around it that has seen the church has forgotten that God still knows how to heal, that God still knows how to render every virus ineffective, that God knows how to touch every person. Thank you. <laughs> You know you're doing all right when you got the little ones yelling at you. But the reason that people have looked, have, they don't see the church that way anymore is because we have forgotten what our identity is. You see, Moses was the man who walked with God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was the, were the ones who were walking with God. But who is the church? The church is the people who are among the world doing the same thing that the world is doing, making zero difference, and we expect God to rain down his glory whenever we call on his name. But for the church to get to be the church, the bride that God called out, 
We've got to change our ways. We've got to spend more time on our face and less time on our phones. We've got to spend more time seeking God and less time seeking the channel that we want to watch. Because God is more important than the entertainment that's around us. God is more important than anything that we could put before him. But we have forgotten all about that because we get into our world where we don't have time to pray except for before meals. And then we ask God, God, why are you not changing my finances? Why am I not hearing your voice? And God is screaming out, can you just listen? Can you just listen a little bit? If you will just open your ears and seek my voice, you will hear my voice. Know where you belong. You belong right next to me everywhere I walk. I'm not going to follow you around. Amen? How many times do we treat God like that where he follows us around? God, I'm over here. Can you bless this? God, I'm over here. Can you bless this? This is what I want to do. Can you put your hand on me over here? Instead of saying, God, I'm going to stand right here until I hear your voice. And then wherever you call me, even if it's into the middle of the fire, I'm going to walk. Amen? Because God, where he calls you, is where you belong. And it doesn't matter what you want. Because once you find where you belong, everything changes. Your desires change. Once you find God, once you taste God, your identity changes. And that's where we have to start looking. Whenever we give our life to God, it's exactly what that is. It's giving your life to God. We are giving our lives to God. It's not giving this section of our lives. It's not saying that from now on I'm going to try not to cuss and I'm going to try not to pray or I'm going to try to pray and I'm going I'm I'm to try not to do this and that. That's not what it's all about. Those things fall away the closer you get to God. Now I can tell you if you hear somebody who's got a potty mouth on them and they say they're spending all day long on their knees in prayer, it's probably not happening. And as a church, it's not judging when you correct your brother and sister. If you see somebody that's out of line, the Bible calls us to judge them. And it calls us to correct them. And if you're a Christian, you should want that. You should want your brother and sister saying, hey, what you're doing right now doesn't look like God. And you should try to surround your people who have the courage to lift up their voice and remember the fear of God, not the fear of man. God has placed us to have an abundant life and to have a life where the church dictates what's going on around us. But in order to do that, we have to remember our identity. We have to remember who we are and start acting like it. There's a, anybody ever heard of the Rockefellers? Okay, the Rockefellers, if you, if a, I don't know if it's still the case today, but I heard a while back that if you were born under the Rockefeller name, that there's still an inheritance waiting on you. With all the DNA stuff and everything going on, how many, like, I, I had the, the ancestry DNA thing done. Has anybody ever done that? Anybody ever done any of the DNA stuff? Okay. Man, I was hoping there was a Rockefeller somewhere close. <laughs> Oh, man, you want to talk about cutting a rug, it would have been all ripped up through here. But you know, it's funny. I guarantee you, like, if you do an ancestry DNA and you find out that there's a Rockefeller, what are you going to identify by real quick? I'm a Rockefeller. Show me the money. 
That's what we're going to identify in. But that's the same way it's got to be whenever, with Christianity. With Christianity, when you say I'm a part of this, show me the glory. Show me what I should act like. Show me my father's feet. Show me how to walk with him. Show me how to talk with him. Show me what prayer looks like. Show me how to lay my life down so that he can pick my life back up. Because the life that he picks up is the one that is gonna get me to where I need to be. And it's gonna be the one that, that whenever there's some, a lot of people talking about a virus going around, remembers that the God that I walk with is the God that created every cell in the human body. And the God that created every cell in the human body is not gonna be stumped on a virus, amen? So I don't have to walk around and act like the world and have the same fear that the world does because the creator is who I'm walking with and that's where my identity is lying with. That's where my identity is coming from and that's where I get my strength. So I don't have to have the fear of man. I don't have to listen to every other person out there who's saying this is what makes sense because I'm listening to God. And I know that whenever I listen to God and I walk with God, it may, may not, it may not make sense to you over here who has no idea what the voice of the Lord sounds like. But to me, over here, who walks with the creator of the universe, and you're going to tell me I have to be scared about a bug? Not happening. It's not happening. I understand who my God is. I understand what he did before, and I understand that my God doesn't change. And I understand that if God could part the sea, if God could calm the sea, if God created me out of the dirt, that if there is a bug in my body he wants gone, it's gone. Amen? And I also know that I am not going to be scared of man to preach that. I'm not going to be scared of man to tell other people that. I'm not going to be scared of man to tell everybody around me that you have not breathed the breath yet until you breathe the breath under the Holy Spirit. Because everybody looks at God like you're changing one thing for another. Like you, are, you have to leave all this behind and then live a life on the narrow path. But here's what it is. You're, playing, you're, you're trading your ashes for beauty. Your pinto for a BMW. You know, you've got, God's taking the, he's not taking your junk, you're leaving your junk behind you. But he is giving you what your purpose is. And you can finally breathe. And it's not about happiness. It, re it really isn't. Because there's going to be time in your Christian life when you're not happy. It's going to happen. If anybody tells you that God is going to meet every need in your life and you're never going to have a bad time, they are lying to you. And they need to repent and quit listening to those folks. But if you understand that Christianity is not about your happiness, but it's about being who you created, were created to be, you will find your point in life. Does breathing make anybody happy? Okay, when's the last time you took a big breath and just giggled? You were created to do that. That was what you were created for. 
It's not about your joy. Your breathing's not about your joy. It's about your life. Come on. God is not about your joy. He's about your life. You're fulfilling. You're filling in the gap of, who, of being created and being the person you were created to be. In Colossians, it tells us that we are hidden in Christ. That we have so much of God in front of us and around us that you can't see me anymore. That the man that I used to be is completely clouded with the glory of God that's in front of me. We have got to start acting like the church again. We have got to start acting like we are the bride of Christ. Now, when you think about being the bride of Christ, it's tough for a guy sometimes think about being a bride, but think about your wife, okay? <laughs> if your wife has a need in her life, what are you going to do to make sure that need is fulfilled? If your wife is threatened, what are you going to do? We are the bride of Christ because Christ takes care and he, he, he is with us. We become one with him. We walk with him and our protection is in him. Doesn't mean anything bad isn't going to happen. But what it does mean is that he is going to walk with us and he will be with us no matter what. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did they go in the fire? Yep. Did they get burned up? Nope. What kind of testimony was that? They were the ones who were walking with God. Amen? Amen. Now, as bad as I want to be a Rockefeller sometimes, I am glad I'm a son of God. Amen? Because that changes everything. I got a lot of other stuff that I could go into, but um, this morning we have a very special thing that we're doing. Um, and uh, a lot of it has to do with identity. And I wanted to share something um, uh, as we're getting ready to do the baby dedication. Um, I wrote a letter that I would like y'all to give to Emmanuel when he turns 12. When he turns 12 years old. So um, basically what it is, is it's uh, telling Emmanuel that um, what we have, uh, what we're doing here today and what the intention is over his life and encouraging him in his walk with God. Um, here's a... We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. Also, if you would like to partner with us, you can go to thewaylithy.org forward slash donate. See you next week, and may God bless you and your family.